Welcome to the Pints and Polishing Podcast, the most influential and listened to podcast in auto detailing. Welcome to the community. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Pints and Polishing Podcast. This is Nick. You can find us at hypercleanstore.com or the Hyperclean Specialist Group on Facebook. That group's growing every day. Can't thank everybody enough for the support. Let's get right to it today. We had a 488 Ferrari 488 Spider in the shop. A little bit of a cautionary tale we'll be talking about a little bit on today's episode. But I want to talk a little bit about something I did on the, the, the December 17th episode where I talked about an 87 Benz. 6.0 AMG was supposed to sell for around 275,000. It sold for 720,000. And I came on here and I told everybody, I know the buyer. They're incredibly smart. They're a dealership. They've been doing this for now the second generation. They had to have bought that car for somebody. So when we talk about the auction world, this is the game behind the game. That if you don't know it, you look at numbers and you go, oh, this is the new normal. It could be. But in a lot of cases, when you know who the guy who bought it at the auction was, and you know that he's going to offload it to someone else, when something gets massively overpaid for, you can assume he already had a customer that told him to go to that auction and get that car no matter what. And so that's what he did, I'm pretty sure, because it came up yesterday uh, in my world that this car has already been sold. So just getting the, the car back to your facility, going through it a little bit, paperwork, all that kind of stuff. You can really easily, you know, kick away two weeks right there. So within three and a half weeks, this car has basically changed hands. Tells you that when they walked into the auction, they were going to bid whatever it took to get this car. And it wasn't necessarily because that buyer wanted the car. It's because that buyer was a dealer. That dealer had a customer on the hook that customer has now bought the car. That's the reason. And so when we start talking about auctions and, and as we now see the market start to fluctuate, these are the things that are just institutional knowledge for me. Once I saw who purchased it, I already knew the car was going to be moved very quickly off of his hands into his customer's hands and he's going to make his cut. And that's what he did. Nothing wrong with that. But now you look at that $720,000 number on a 275,000 high reserve you go, eh, yeah, you know, now it makes sense. Somebody was lined up. And that's what I said at the time. So a uh, little pat on the back there for myself and, you know, for, for those of you uh, following along. And, uh, you know, I, I just, I enjoy knowing the game behind the game with this stuff. And, and it's great. That's a great buyer. It's great that he sold it to somebody. There's no argument with that, but that, that tells you the game behind the game there. So this week I had a 488 Spider. In the shop, I shared it in a specialist group that I was going to talk very extensively about this car here today on the podcast. So, number one, let me talk about driving that car because I go and pick it up. I drive that car. I've driven that car quite a bit of my life uh, from from a couple customers. I still think that's a great platform uh, to drive a car. And, and and you know when people ask me about Ferrari versus Lamborghini, people are going to get into quality control and. You're going to have all these people on it. Let me tell you what the difference is to me. I, I said this to Marty yesterday, and I'll share it here. The reason Lambo never spoke to me, and I, I, I've driven plenty of them, uh, Mercies, uh, Huracans, Countaches, 
you name it, I've driven it. And I've always really liked their cars, especially their older cars, which I think were a little more subtle, were a little more refined. When I look at Lamborghini now, I don't see that refinement. Okay. I don't see uh, anything about Lamborghini as refinement. That's what I see Ferrari as. When I look at BMW, like the one I own in previous generations, I see a level of refinement. I don't see that refinement today with BMW M cars. The one thing about the 488 platform for Ferrari is it's refined. I think when you look at the A12 uh, that I've driven a lot, super fast, it's refined. And you only know it when you know it. And even with the A12, it's almost too rowdy for me to want to enjoy every day because it's hard to take a phone call because it is so loud. I mean, it's a good car. I really love that car. But when you talk about the 488 platform, you get all the benefits of this great-looking car, this highly refined car, a great driving experience, the one that I enjoy anyway. And also, you can take a phone call. And you still have the sound when you get out of the car. You go, damn, this car sounds like a Ferrari. So it's an amazing platform. And when I drove, was driving it around yesterday, I drove it around on Tuesday and yesterday. You just, when, you, when the platform is right, and, and, and everything from 458 and 488, that, that, those platforms, I think, are the best that Ferrari has done in a long, you know, probably some would argue in its history. Uh, I would say it's in their top two or three, four platforms, those two. It's so much enjoyment to drive. And, and when I drive Lamborghini, like I remember uh, driving a Huracan and it was so loud and it was so obnoxious, it, it doesn't it doesn't take away from the fact that I know it's a Lamborghini. It just takes away the fact of, I don't really enjoy this that much. Like I don't enjoy the whole muscle car experience. It's not refined. If that's your thing, that's cool. That's not me. Okay. I want some refinement when I'm spending a hundred thousand dollars on a car. Okay. There are, you know, this is my argument about Porsche GT2 RS. You know, the GT2 is too loud. It's a freaking race car. GT3, at least, again, you get all the Porsche experience of a GT car without all the insanity. I want to be able to drive my car around all the time. You know, and it's not a, anything against American cars because I think the, the CT5V wagon this year, or excuse me, CT5V uh, sedan this year with the six-speed manual was the car that I sought after the most. If the prices were in line on that car, I was buying it. They just weren't. The market was, was insane on those cars. I think that's one of the greatest cars that you can own. It's got a little rumble to it. It's got, but it's got a refinement to it. And so what I look for is that extra 10 or 15% of refinement. And that's where I seem to enjoy cars. If you look like at the BMW M cars right now, what the hell's refined about them? They're ugly. The, the steering is, is, isn't tight. The, the, it's largely just an electronic feel to it. It's not a driver's car anymore. So you've lost all the refinement. They're still fun cars to drive. I'm not going to pay for one. But if somebody lets me drive it, I'm going to drive it around and go, ah, I had a pretty good time. So that's where we're at on that. Let's talk about why the 488 Spider was in my shop. And for those of you that know, you know. And for those that don't, don't. But I don't really get mad about very much in this business anymore. It's just not worth my time. 
but I do get mad when something like this happens. I do get pissed off. I do get upset with, with what goes on with a 300, a 400, a $500,000 car. We've taken care of this car since the beginning. You'll be lucky to ever see this car with two crumbs on the driver's mat and nobody's ever ridden in the passenger seat. Greatest owner to work for. You can charge him fairly. And so let me give you the story. This car is here in Vegas. My client has a compound up in the Northeast. And so he sends this car randomly to go up there for one week, July 4th. The week of July 4th is the only time he's up there at his compound. Because he wants to drive it. Money's no object, so he sends it up there. Drives it a couple times. 50 miles that week is what he drove it. I get word, hey, 488's coming back to Vegas. I said, okay, fine. Let us know when it's here. We'll get it all cleaned up from the transport truck. I didn't even get a chance to do that. Client wanted to hop in it, hopped in it and goes, what the hell is that smell? That smell, folks, is somebody not doing the basics properly. That smell is improper chemical, is improper moment to use the chemical, is improper everything. Now, I want to set the stage here because... I know what everybody's thinking. It was some hack detailer. That's a fair assessment, but you'd be wrong. Holds two certifications from ceramic coating companies. Another certification from a very popular training protocol. And is certified by the industry. Wasn't a hack, according to so many of you in this industry. Did all the right things, gone to all the right trainings, done all the right things, did everything that everybody told him what to do. Cool. Why didn't he know how to clean a car with two, you know, crumbs on the driver's side carpet, a light, quick wash, rinseless or other, a normal wash? Uh, why didn't he know the basics? Because what he did to this car is the kind of stuff that really burns me up in this industry. I, you know, holograms and swirls, that, that, that shit happens, man. Dealerships do it. Dealer, detailers do it. I get it, man. We want to we wanna lose our minds about that. But somebody goes into a $300,000 car and sprays a bunch of chemical from a quote-unquote reputable trainer who's attached to a chemical brand, who's attached to this, who's attached to that. Now we're in a situation where you go, okay, what happened here? So once I figured it out, I knew what happened. We had a proper, improper interior detailing chemical. And we had a carpet system that was used here. That was, you know, as, as we've said before, a carpet system designed for high volume car wash that's now been recolored and relabeled for you, the detailer. You don't catch on, you don't catch on. So when I talked to the staff up at the compound this week, I said, what the hell did this guy do? Well, this guy did a full detail, according to him. A car that 
we've taken care of from the beginning. It has film on every surface from us. The car hardly sees any miles, folks. I mean, it's lucky if it sees 100 a month. What did it need a full detail for? It needed a quick wash, a quick vacuum, a quick wipe down. In and out in an hour. Could have charged $300 to this customer. Nobody would have ever questioned you. You'd have been doing right by the car. You would have been assessing the situation. But that's not what happened. Because guess what? All the training protocols that he went to, nobody tells you to assess a $300,000 car because the vast majority of people teaching you don't work on those cars. And they're never going to get an opportunity to work on those cars. And they're never going to have the skill set to work on those cars. Well, Nick, he, you know, he's responsible. Yep, he is responsible. You know, no questions asked. He holds responsibility here, a lot of it. But I always hear that there's some magic thing coming around the corner that's going to change the industry and change the quality of work. He did everything that was supposed to change the quality of work. Still didn't know to not stink up the interior of a $300,000 plus Ferrari. And let me get this out here. So everybody has this because I think I've said it 8,000 times on, on this podcast. When somebody has an expensive car, they don't want to smell chemical. They don't want to smell a crappy air freshener. They want to smell the money they spent on the car. When I hop in a Bentley, the special thing about Bentley is that Bentley leather smell. Why would I want to smell harsh APC when I get in my Bentley? I don't know if that's on the test or not, but maybe steal that question and explain to people that there's a quality problem here. But you have to be in it to know it. And now I'm going to get all these experts to tell me how they would fix it. Let me tell you what, going in there and spraying more chemical trying to neutralize it is not going to do you any good. It's going to mix with a lot. You're going to get a more rancid smell. You're going to get a heavier chemical smell in a lot of cases. Go in there with an extractor. Well, have you seen 488 carpet? Pretty thin. Not a lot to extract. So what I'm going to do is reactivate some active ingredient more than I'm going to actually get out of there. The next part is that's not the only porous surface that there's a problem on. And so, again, I don't know if this is on these tests. I don't go to these, 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 these certifications, but I would hope this is on the test. I'm sure it's not after this, but here's the greatest thing about this. The carpet wasn't the only culprit. The leather seats are porous. The door panels are porous. The plastics are porous. The, the steering wheel is porous. The clear-coated carbon fiber was porous. So everywhere he stuck this stinky chemical or multi-chemicals was spraying it in the vents, plastic. Now it's in the airflow system. We got all of this stuff that goes on, and these are basic things. But when I go to these trainings, am I learning the basics? You know, I've had this, often had this question. When I go to a ceramic coating training, because I was sent every ceramic ever built and I never went to a training, but that'll be a topic, Marty, and I'll address another day. When you go to these trainings, do they teach you how to detail or see if you're competent enough to detail a rim and a tire and dress it properly? How, what, what's the vetting process here? Because what I see in this industry, because of the work coming through to me and the mistakes I'm seeing, 
we don't have a problem as much with paint correction. We have a problem with everybody skipping to the end of the line and doing a whole bunch of services they're not ready to do. You use HyperClean Revive and you wipe down. This Ferrari's been wiped down with HyperClean Revive for well over. Well, we started working on it two years ago. So it, it had even prototypes being used on it. It's never left a stench behind. It's never left a greasy feeling behind. Doesn't have some, some air freshener smell to it. Doesn't have a chemical smell to it. It goes on, gives you, the user, an enjoyable experience with the smell. The smell dissipates. And somebody gets in their BMW or they get in their Ferrari or they get in their Bentley and they get to enjoy it. That's what you call a properly made chemical. Why? Because that chemical was being put on 10, 20, 30, $40 million of cars a month by my company. I, I tend to know what rich people want in their car. This guy didn't because all the trainings he, he's taken evidently didn't bring up luxury vehicles, which is wild to me. So now we have a problem. We have a great customer that's pissed off because now his car to him feels ruined. So this guy went and gathered all the information, right? This guy went and did everything that so many of you advocate for. Didn't know how to clean a Ferrari interior with two breadcrumbs on the, on the floor, uh, leather in perfect condition. There was nothing to do. Vacuum, wipe down, put the car on the transport truck. So how did I solve this so we can get to a solution here? Very simplistic. I've been doing this long enough that I know there's a big benefit to time, some steam, some airflow into the car, leaving the doors open. So I picked it up on Tuesday. I returned it Thursday afternoon, which I told the client that that's what I would need it for. It's going to be many of you that say, oh, I could get it done in a day. Can't check your work that same day. You need to really be sure that this is out of a car. So you go inch by inch with a high-quality steamer, and you don't use the steamer as a disinfectant. We, we've gone over that a million times with the wrong information you were given during the pandemic. But steam is a great neutralizer, and it can start to clean out fibers and clean out pores of leather. And, and, and it's just an, a great gentle step on an interior with this type of problem. So I use steam throughout the ventilation system. Again, not for disinfecting, but to take that smell out. We wanted to get into neutralizer. There's too many people telling you they have a neutralizing chemical. I'm telling you, had you sprayed it on this interior, you would have made the situation a thousand times worse because I've been there. I've seen it. I've done it. I know what it is. That is where we're at. So first day, steam the whole interior twice. The next thing is you want to keep your steam kind of away from some gentle areas. You don't want to get it right next to the steering wheel and start peeling. You know, steam can get kind of aggressive. So I see people putting steam nozzles too close to things. Uh, that's, that's a little pointer. But what do you do here? You take your time. So we steam that interior, every fiber of it, five or six times over three days. And we used Revive on the harder parts, the harder leather dash, those types of things to start getting a genuine cleaner in there. But we had already steamed it a few times before starting that. This isn't something I take lightly. I'm not going to have water extraction in this Ferrari. 
let me make, make it very clear. Number one, you don't have deep fibers on this carpet. And number two, you can reactivate chemical and reactivate and you can just be in a circle loop. So one of the things with the floor mats people do with steam is they'll steam the floor mat, but they'll never flip it over and steam the back of the mat. There's another little tip. Uh, by the time we got to Thursday, and I just went and checked it, today is Friday when I'm recording this for a Saturday post. Uh, I went and checked it again this morning while it was already at the customer's. And we're, it feels like we're out of the woods. It feels like we got it right back to neutral. And that's all that I wanted to do. I'm not trying to do the extra because this guy did the extra and put everybody in a world of hurt. I'm going to say this to end 2022. Number one, I want to thank you for the crazy support for this Saturday episode. I honestly can't believe anybody listens, but. Marty and I tried something. Marty pushed me when I came up with this idea to do it. And it's been a success. Uh, we have, I have a lot to work on. I got to get better at this. I got to, I got to get better, but I want to say that first and foremost, but coming off that 488 spider, I want to say something to end 2022 that I think is probably the most important thing I can say to you. Last week, I shared the most important advice I ever received. And today, I'm going to share, I think, the most important thing I can say headed into 2023. This guy who did this 488 Spider, he got a lot of information, a lot of it. Went to a lot of people that are so-called reputable. Awesome. Imagine the thousands of dollars and time he spent away from his business. And we all got to learn. But he never vetted the people that he was in business with. Never vetted the information. So the word I'm going to leave you with is information. You have to guard your brain, your eyes, and your ears like you would guard your family from an intruder. That's how much bad information is in the world for all of us. I, I, I come across a lot of bad information. You do. And let's put a number on it so we all can continue this conversation. 10% people that study the labor market, study employees, study companies have been doing these statistics for years. And there's, there's a statistic that most people agree upon, which is 10% of people are great at what they do. Could be a carpenter, could be a janitor, could be a casino executive, could be a CEO, could be whatever. 10% of people are great at what they do. So this guy attended with the Ferrari 488 fiasco, attended four trainings. One, the industry put on. The other three were ones he paid for, ceramic coating companies and, and a popular uh, training protocol. There's a very high probability that zero of those things were valuable. The zero of those things were great information. Actually, it's the likelihood. Because one out of 10 trainings would probably be great. And that's if you pick the right 10 numbers. Because you could do 10 trainings and they all be bad. And you say, well, one of them's got to be great because the statistics, well, that's not how statistics work. On such a small number, you could go to five trainings. 
this year, and it could all be bad information. That's a fact. And it happens every day in this business. I took a week this year and went and learned from really great shop owners. Don't tell me I don't believe in furthering my knowledge. I just don't believe anything people tell me that are trying to make a buck off of the industry and can't show credentials and talk about owning something in the eighties. And I just don't buy into that. And so let's talk about information. People that go to West Point and are taught about war get told the worst thing that you can have is bad information. These are guys that have people's lives in their hands. They're generals and colonels and those types of people. Why do you think they take information so seriously? It's because there's a life on the line. There's, there's nations on the line. There's global war on the line, right? I'm no military expert, but I think that's pretty good advice that bad information is cancerous. It isn't that it ruins your day today. It's that it ruins your day going forward in a million ways that you don't understand. You have to guard your brain, your eyes and your ears, like you'd guard your family from an intruder. There's so much bad information in this industry. So many people giving you information from all podcasts and Facebook, and they, they don't have any success in this business. They're making you believe they do, but they don't have an ounce of success in this business. And so you're learning from people who close their shop down and now take a training gig at a coding company or a PPF company or this company or that company. And it's great if they talk to you about installation, but imagine, imagine this, this guy's going to talk about the detailing business. Truth is he doesn't know it. You want to look at information through this lens. If I want to learn about money, I can go to two or three sources right now and, and, and get, very educated on money. If I go follow Warren Buffett's career, listen to everything he says, do everything he says, I'm going to have success with money. Your uncle Jim at Christmas, who doesn't have four cents to his name, but always gives people opinion on about how money works in the world. If you listen to him, do you think you're going to be in the same position as listening to Warren Buffett? No. But how many people in this industry are not putting two and two together that you're listening to a 22-year-old kid on TikTok. I really love that he's making those TikToks, man. I'm really awesome creativity. He doesn't know what he's talking about. And it's obvious to those of us that have a little bit of knowledge of who is, is knowledgeable and who isn't. When I hear a bunch of buzzwords, I know that person isn't knowledgeable. And so my brain shuts off immediately. I'm not going to even let it in my brain. And so that is the thing that I want to say to so many of you leading into 2023. You go and you listen to somebody else's podcast, or you go listen to somebody's YouTube page, and you think it doesn't negatively affect you. Bad information is always going to negatively affect you. If you take in 100 pieces of content about the detailing business, 
less than 10 of them are going to be great. So do you think you should guard your, your brain really tough in 2023? Yeah, the rest of your life. Because the internet's only coming faster and fur more furious. So this information flow is not going to slow down. I, I watch other Facebook groups I've been invited to. I watch, I, I'm watching and learning at all times. And let me leave you guys with this. I don't know a whole bunch. I'm not the smartest guy in the world. I'll put the work in. I'll do what I got to do to win. But I have never taken anything as serious as information. And I didn't, it's not something you know when you first get into business. It's something that I know now is that information is your lifeblood to great information or to bad information. And bad information leads you to failure and great information puts you in a position to win. If you look at it from that lens, I think you'll listen to a lot less people and you'll find the qualified people to listen to. Everybody, happy new year. Have a great day. Have a great weekend. We'll see you in 2023.